does your dog do? And normally I ask the guest. However, today we have an incredible guest who seems to know a heck of a lot about dogs without ever having one. And this is mind blowing. So we're going to skip the does your dog do, and we're going to jump right in. We have got the wonderful Peggy Rothschild, author of Playing Dead. She's also the author of A Deadly Bone to Pick. I work with many publicists, like over a hundred for Health Power. I've been doing it for 10 years. And before that, I had an NPR show and I've been doing this for a long time. So I sent out an email saying, I'm now looking for authors who've written books about dogs. And I heard from Peggy's publicist and they said, well, it's a novel. It's not a memoir and it's not a nonfiction book, which is what I'm used to. And at first I thought, oh, and then I thought, oh, (laughs) this is really cool. This is giving me a whole nother thing to shoot for. After losing their home during a California wildfire, Peggy Rothschild and her husband moved to the beach community of Los Ojos along the central coast. When she's not at her desk or out walking, you can usually find her in the garden. Peggy is a member of Sisters in Crime National and Sisters in Crime Los Angeles. Peggy, so excited to have you on Dog Eared. Thank you, Lisa. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> I had so much fun. I didn't even know I like murder mysteries. I was like, I don't know, a novel? What? Wait, I, where's the memoir? You know, so, but I have to say, it was phenomenal. And I only just found out everybody right before the interview, Peggy doesn't have any dogs. And I was like, what? Because my gosh, she must have done a lot of research. So first of all, what made you even want to write a novel that's so dog inclusive when you have a cat? <laughs> not, that you can, not that you can't love both. I'm not doing that. I'm not pitting them against. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, it was actually my agent was having trouble selling the tradition, more traditional mystery I'd written, and she suggested I write a cozy. And, you know, the whole thing, our house had burned down, all that. I don't oh. think she knew that at that time. And I was just saying, I'm not sure I can write a cozy. <laughs> what is a cozy for people? I don't even know what that is. There's not a lot of violence. Uh, there's not a lot of sex. The language is pretty tame. Um, and, yeah, there, you know, there's always a dead body, but usually the murder happens off the page kind of thing. Right. So, um, but I wasn't sure I was in a, a cozy place and I actually found it a wonderful experience. It was a great escape. But what gave me the idea was I started reading some cozies cause I didn't, I was saying, okay, what is this? And I have a very dear friend who I've had since I was seven years old. Awesome. <laughs> We've known each other decades, and um, she invited me to meet her at an agility meet because she lives down in LA. And and at that point, I think we were in Ventura, so I drove. We met in Camarillo, and I watched her and her Boston Terrier competing. And I'm I'm meeting these people, and it's a wonderful community, great people. I'm just thinking, oh, I could kill one of these people. This would work. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. <laughs> A great milieu, you know, to kind of, um, you because know, that's kind of part of a cozy too. It's either a very small town or it's a, a closed community. And I just, and, and I, I do love dogs. I mean, when I met my husband, he had a golden retriever whose name was Molly. I didn't even realize I named my main character oh. after the dog. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I did bring a golden retriever in, and, and but we just lived in situations where either we couldn't have a dog. Our first place we lived in when we moved to LA, um, we weren't allowed to have pets. We could have a sneaky cat, but it was really hard to hide a dog. Kind oh, yes. of thing. <laughs> it definitely time, is. 
you know, we were living somewhere where we could have a dog. We had a diabetic cat. And it's like, eh, you know, and that's just kind of been, and then we've always had senior cats. So it's just never been the right moment. But I'm, I've always been dog adjacent is how I describe it. The first question I ask every guest is, when did your love of dogs begin? You know, I, I initially had terror of dogs because where we lived, there was this ex-police dog who would chase me home from school. Oh, no. Yes. But then it's all very different. Um, her parents had a dachshund named Oscar. And that was the first dog I fell in love with. I mean, he was so little. How could you be afraid of him? And that was that was the first dog. And then um, my friend, she inherited her grandparents, German Shepherd Collie mix, uh, Greta. Aww. This was, oh, a beautiful dog and the sweetest dog. And that was like you know, the first larger dog that I became friends with. And that was kind of, yeah, after that, it was just sort of, they're wonderful. They're just, they're, they're love on four paws, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they're the best. All right. So I'm going to give a synopsis and I, this is a different kind of interview for me. You know, I don't want to give too much away. So you, you steer me if you're like, that's too much. Okay. So uh there's Molly. Okay. She's the main character and she brings her dog. She has Noodle, who is a St. Birdoodle, which I'm assuming is a St. Bernard Poodle. Right. A lot of people think I mean a uh, St. Bernadoodle, which is actually the the Bernese mountain dog poodle mix. Oh. But yes, it's a poodle. Yeah. So it's a big dog. <laughs> yes. And then Harlow, who's a golden, you bring him to the Playtime Academy and Harlow is going to take an agility class. And Noodle is going to try a barn hunt, which we're going to get into because I had never even heard of that. Now, Noodle's nose leads him to a dead body. And it turns out to be this super mean, snarky, bitchy woman, Celeste, who nobody likes. And Molly kind of befriends this other woman named Felicity because she gives her some tips on cutting some of the time off on the agility course, which in turn pisses off Celeste. And then all of a sudden, Celeste is dead. On top of that, Molly has her own two dogs. Then she takes a dead woman's dog. Then she takes care of another dog. Then she helps train another dog. Then she's got issues with her boyfriend. Uh, she's got an agoraphobic neighbor. It's really, really good. So how was that <laughs> for my first time? <laughs> that was an excellent encapsulation of her, of her situation. <laughs> I'm wondering, you, you picked a drooly dog. So do you have a, an affinity for drooly dogs or did you just find a, a St. Burnt Doodle particularly interesting? Well, I, I actually, the drool was part of it. I don't particularly love drooly dogs, but I wanted <laughs> when she adopted bug have it not just be that he's huge but that he is a bit of a mess but he's sweet so I, I wanted him to be challenging as well I didn't want him just to be the wonder dog I wanted him to there be a challenge that came with him yeah that's actually a really good point because you know um Harlow is not only like let's play on words a golden dog but she's a golden you know so yeah now so you were at this playtime academy or you were at a, an agility course and uh -huh. you thought this is a really good setting. And you're right, because I was able to learn as a dog lover, I know about agility, but I learned a lot more. And then I didn't know what a barn hunt. And I was kind of shocked. I'm like, they chase rats? What the poor rats? How do they, what, and how do they stop them from catching them? It seems like these dogs have to be pretty well trained if they're going to participate. But for people who are like, Lisa, what are you talking about? What is a barn hunt? <laughs> Well, and, and it doesn't actually have to take place in a barn, but the, the rats are actually in like tubes oh, where okay. in the air, they're safe. Um, so they're, they're never in any danger. Oh, um, and okay. 
And the thing is, this was only something I could watch on video because a lot of the research I was doing was during COVID and you couldn't go unless you were a participant. Um, so my friend took video of herself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then a, another friend who was there said, yeah, I got to say, the rats look like they're having a good time. <laughs> so, okay, Because <laughs> I was a little like, oh, should I write about this? Sounds kind of, but it's like, it sounded like everybody was having fun. Um, yeah. And, and the, the courses vary, the number of rats on them vary according to the level of competition. So I just had uh, Molly doing a, a starter level. So there was just one rat on the course, but it's, yeah, and it's timed and it's, it's, it's a new thing. <laughs> it's funny because I read it, but somehow I, I still pictured the rats running free and then <laughs> running into the tubes, even though now that I realize you made it very clear they were in the tubes the whole time. I think my imagination went wild. I'm like, this is crazy. I have a terrier. He's going to catch that mouse in a second or the rat. It's gone. Yes. <laughs> they do keep the rats safe. <laughs> now, Molly is not only an XPI, so she gets very interested in figuring it out. And she doesn't think her new friend, Felicity, you know, has committed the murder of Celeste. And right. everybody hates Celeste. That was so good because I'm thinking, well, geez, everybody would have a motive because she's just awful. I wanted to murder her. Yes. <laughs> No, I didn't, but I don't like people like that. She was very nasty. And yeah. you have another nasty character in the book, this woman who owns this beautiful Frenchie sky, and she's mm. keeping the dog out of spite from her ex-boyfriend. And it's terrible. And you keep seeing this man lurking on the street and you're like, what's going on? And and I, this is the only thing I'll give away. It turns out to be the ex, right? That's and yes. who, who actually loves a dog. And there was some great training stuff in the book as well. So you you clearly did your research. Uh, for example, when Molly is dealing with the Frenchie's difficult owner, who was furious about Skye chewing up her Christian Louboutins, you know, <laughs> and wants Skye to be instantly trained out of chewing, Molly says, quote, chewing is not exactly a thing you can teach a dog not to do. It's like teaching her to stay or sit. First thing you need, you need to keep her closets closed and all clothes and shoes out of her reach. And I thought that was so great because I've had that issue sometimes with my daughter. She'll leave something around and my dogs are pretty good. They'll just, you know, chew on stuff gently and it'll just get gross, you know, but you can't, it's, you can't train them out of that. So talk to us a little bit about the research you had to do for a lot of I these things. I, I did a lot of research, but also too, it was really nice that I had this friend who I could like kind of go. I could double check with, I mean, she was my last reader before I turned in to make sure I didn't make any mistakes, but yeah. And it's, it's, and you have to be a whole different kind of personality than I, than I am. If I actually had my own dog, it would be the worst trained dog in, in the world. <laughs> <laughs> ability to say no, rather than going, Oh, aren't you the cutest thing? <laughs> it is hard. Yes. Um, so yeah, I did do a lot of research and I researched, especially with the particular breeds I was dealing with, what they were good at, what they would struggle with, what their you know natural inclination would be. So it was kind of, yeah, learning which dog would have an issue with what. And yes. uh, as I introduced so many, so I had, yeah, <laughs> a lot of notes, but when you're in the drafting process, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm focused on the mystery and I'd have all these margin notes, like, where's the dog? What's it doing? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so it was kind of, you had to sort of layer it in, do the research, but you don't want it to feel like research. You, you want it to be what the dog does or doesn't do. And yeah. so yeah, it was tricky, but I, it was fascinating. I mean, dogs are just amazing. I mean, I did a lot of research about the, the, their noses, their smelling ability, which is just so impressive, you know, what they can pick up. I mean, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think like something like St. Bernard's could 
are believed to be able to smell a human if the wind's right up to two miles away. I mean, it's just like, gosh, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, so I did do a lot of research, but I also didn't want to do that thing where I'm just barfing research onto the page. (laughs) Right. Yeah, weave in and be part of the story. Oh, it was. No, I mean, it was really smooth. It's a great, I read it in like a day and a half. It's a really great read. And that was, I had, I was interrupted with stuff. Otherwise I would have just sat and read it in one sitting. It was so good. So we've got a St. Birdoodle. We've got a golden. We've got a Frenchie. We've got a boxer. Wasn't Royal a boxer also? Yeah. They were both Royal and Buster, both boxers. Both boxers. Now are these types of dogs, because you mentioned some other dogs growing up, but it wasn't these. So you talked about why you chose the St. Birdoodle, but talk to us about the boxers and the golden and the Frenchie. What drew you towards those breeds? Well, I chose the boxer in particular because they actually aren't, it's not that people don't do agility with them. It's just like, you're going to see them with Australian shepherds a lot more often at agility. You know, they're just so good at it. And I just wanted to have a dog that would stand out. So Molly would notice it's like, oh, there's two boxers in this club. That's unusual. Yeah, you know, right. I wanted it to be different. And the, the Frenchie, I mean, I'm sorry, how can you not love? Oh my God, they're so cute. <laughs> really? So that was part of the logic to have this woman be so cold toward a dog. It's like, well, what's like one of the really popular right now dogs, but also just so adorable. How could you not love it? And that was kind of why the Frenchie and also I, I love the, the size disparity, this, this little sausage of a dog and these huge dogs and the Frenchie <laughs> think they're the same size. You know? <laughs> it was so fun. And you know, one of the things that we all know who love dogs are so good at is helping people with so many different issues. And I loved the agoraphobic neighbor story. And I grew up with somebody with agoraphobia and she brought Buster over who belonged to Celeste, the woman who was murdered. And right away, Buster and JD connected. And she said, why don't you keep Buster? And it was so beautiful to see that relationship and and talk to us about why you decided to include that in the book. And I'm so glad you did. Well, you know, a lot of times when like you can't do something for yourself, whether it's from fear or anxiety you can do it for someone else that you love. So dogs need to go out and walk. They love yeah. doing so for, it just seemed like the perfect way to get JD outside. He's not doing it for himself, but he knows the dog needs to go out. So he'll do it for the dog. And then the dog will keep him calm. And I just thought it would be a wonderful partnership there um, in a, di- a different kind of partnership than what Molly has with the golden when they're doing agility, it's, it's, it's more, they need, I mean, not Molly needs her dogs and they need her, but this was a different, more basic sort of this, this dog's going to keep me safe and I'm going to give the dog what it wants. And I, I felt that was important to sort of get it down to a less of a skill set like with Molly, but a more basic sort of what that having this sort of loyal companion can give you this, this courage, give you more self-confidence. And I, I really wanted to touch on that. Yeah, I'm glad that you did. Now, Molly had a complicated, traumatic past. She had come from the East Coast. Something had happened, which I want people to read. But (laughs) she had a lot going on in her own life and relocated to this place and was looking for, I would say, pretty much as drama-free and as existence. I mean, she walked out of her house and it seemed like in two minutes she was at the ocean, which was wonderful. She had two loving dogs. And then this murder happened and it was just like this chaos, you know, not yeah. the quiet life she had, ex- she had expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was kind of, um, that was addressed a little in the first book with like, yeah, she chose this town because she was hoping quiet, 
no drama. And boy, did she choose incorrectly. (laughs) I have to read the first book. Oh my goodness. Yes. I can't wait to read the first book. I see why it's called a cozy. It's really good. And you're kind of on the edge and kind of guessing, wait, did this person, I think they did that. And then there's that like guy that kind of up to something, uh, rat trainer guy, like Wrangler. Yes. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Wrangler (laughs) trainer. Something going on with him. And then, you know, just, and then there was something going on with Molly's boyfriend. He had been a recent boyfriend. That was super interesting as well. The other thing I thought was so interesting is that she is helping to train the dog of an eight-year-old prodigy. She's a math and chess whiz and also helping her with her social interactions and social skills. And I love when the little girl finds a friend. Yeah. You know, because I have a neurodivergent child and it can be really challenging in that area. And so I thought that was really beautiful. What made you include that storyline? And and you didn't say she's neurodivergent, but I picked up some vibes uh, along with the gifted. But maybe she's just gifted. You can tell us. (laughs) (laughs) In my world, she's just gifted. I'm not sure about her new friend, Lincoln, because I really love that little bit where... I can hear over the phone Ava telling him he has to say hello. <laughs> Lincoln was bit definitely, from what my experience, was on yeah. the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> or at least he came across that way. But that was beautiful when you can find someone that you really mesh with like that. That was lovely. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted this little, because we, we actually meet Ava in the first book because, and Molly doesn't know anyone and Ava comes to her because it's it's a long kind of backstory, but she knows she trains, Molly trains dogs. So she says, you know, my father says this dog has to, you know, we have to get rid of it. Can you train my dog? And, and then the more they talk, it, it, she, Molly realizes Ava is as friendless as she is. Oh. <laughs> and and I, this little girl to be different than other little girls from that like she's just so damn smart she doesn't know how to talk to kids her age you know she's right. and and that molly just sort of takes her on as not just as a friend but as a project she's going to train ava and the dog although ava's not going to realize she's being trained <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem was it wasn't so much in this book but the first book was like this little kid's way smarter than I am. So I had to be looking at, like, researching what do children who are you know, off the church, smart, what would they be studying? What would they know? And kind of, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's why there was so many dimensions to the book. Like there was yeah. never a dull moment, even all the details about coming home and giving the dogs water and giving them all kisses and taking them out and having them sit in the yard and the sunshine and their special places they sleep. And it's the way we are people who truly, you know, love and take good care of their dogs. Well, and maybe that's a thing that maybe I, I made sure to have in there because I sometimes in some of the books that I was reading, I mean, it's like the people never seem to actually work at their jobs. And I was like, no, no, no. either she doesn't have a job or she works. I mean, it's one of the two. Or they had an animal that magically seemed to take care of itself. It's like, no, no, no. They are, they are your responsibility. You know, it's like people who get bunnies at Easter and then think they're going to take care of themselves. It's like, no, this, yep. this is part of your family. You're looking after them. They're your responsibility. This is part of the life with, a, with an animal. It just is. It is. And I thought that was good that you made that very clear. One of the other things that I thought was so important and this is just sort of touched on in the book is uh, eating disorders because Celeste ran a gym and pushed her girls extraordinarily hard, was extraordinarily cruel and pushed them into eating disorders. I'm, you know, I'm, there's no pussyfooting around this, right? Um, 
I guess I can make it, I guess that's a cat reference. That's okay. Um, <laughs> I have someone in my life with anorexia and it's a horrible, horrible thing. So mm-hmm. I was glad to read about that. I don't really see touched on. I mean, maybe like in, in more serious women's fiction, but to have it be brought up in a mystery, I think it's, I mean, yeah. it's sadly so common and yeah. I mean, not maybe not to the severity of the, the person in, in this story, but that, yeah, it's it just like, it is part of this life. And I don't think we should ignore that it exists and that there are people who are bad for other people in that respect. Does your family include a dog or a cat? Would you like to be better educated on how to advocate for their health naturally? Then why not check out all of the amazing resources on naturallyhealthypets.com? Dr. Judy Morgan is a trusted advisor and a regular guest here on the Dog-Eared Podcast. She has over 38 years experience as an integrative veterinarian, acupuncturist, chiropractor, food therapist, author, speaker, podcast host, and owner of Dr. Judy Morgan's Naturally Healthy Pets. Dr. Judy's goal is to change the lives of pets by educating and empowering pet parents just like you in the use of natural healing therapies and minimizing the use of chemicals, vaccinations, and poor quality processed food. Head on over to naturallyhealthypets.com where you'll discover healthy product recommendations, comprehensive courses, the Naturally Healthy Pets podcast, informative blogs, upcoming events, and so much more. Again, that's naturallyhealthypets.com, the place to learn how to give your pet the vibrant life that they deserve. I would love to hear what is one or two things about each dog that you absolutely love. We can start with uh, Noodle, the Saint Burdoodle. I just, well, first, I love his name. Me too. <laughs> <Which is most laughs> um, I, I, I love his, his friendly, you know, he's, he's the gentle giant. I mean, he yes. will, and Saint Bernard's, this is true, they will defend their owner viciously if they have to, if they feel their owner is in, is threatened. That he's just this gentle giant. He he doesn't use his size against people, he, you know, unless he feels like Molly's threatened. He's there. He's playful. Um, I, I just, I had someone ask me once, what character do you most identify with in the book? And I said, noodle. <laughs> <laughs> he's messy, but yeah. he's hard. <laughs> He's a good dog. Yes. <laughs> For Molly, is just a little more rigid and organized. You know, I like her. I could spend time with her, but she's not me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and what about Harlow? Well, Harlow, I mean, you can't not love a golden. The fact, I mean, the one thing when my husband read an early draft, he says, you've got Harlow smiling too much. you got to cut out some of the smiles <laughs> with a golden. It's just what they're always smiling. Yes. <laughs> Trim those back, um, but yeah, I I I love about Harlow is aside from she's just so smart. Again, it's she's a good-hearted dog, and she wants to, you know, she loves doing the agility. She's not doing it for Molly; she's doing it for herself. She really loves it, and she's found something she enjoys. But I think also she's getting to a point in her agility career where she's getting a little older, and she's probably going to want to back off. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Molly. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Now let's talk about 
sky, that cute little Frenchie. Them and corgis, you know, I, I, yeah. I kind of worry when we see anyone with either dog that they think we're going to dog nap because we're just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> let me add They're just so cute. <laughs> he was so sweet. And what about Buster, the boxer? What do you like about yeah. him? Um, You know, you know it's, it's, it seems like such a weird thing to say because they're all fictional. Right. I feel like I don't know Buster as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, Peggy. I love your honesty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's a great dog. And, um, and he, he ends up loving JD and they have a great relationship. But yeah, I, I, I get to know him better in book three, so I feel like I'm 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 cheating. But yeah, I, I what I discovered in book three was that um, yeah, he's a food thief. <laughs> yeah, and you know it was so heartbreaking. Celeste's husband was such an ass. I mean, yeah. he did not want it's her dog. I don't want the dog, and oh, he was such a jerk. And Molly, what a wonderful woman who already has her hands full to take on this you know, murdered woman's dog. And that was beautiful. She's like, I'm not going to let this poor dog go hungry or go without water. I don't care if the cops get mad. They're getting some water, you know? Yeah, that was great. Wow, when you're not supposed to touch the car and evidence and she's trying to figure out how to get you know, the, the food in the window for the dog. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's like definitely more taking care of business than, than I am. But I, I wanted to show the other, no, she also has a good heart. And obviously she wouldn't have so many animals if she didn't. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I mean, I think about that, about I'd love to have more, but my husband's like, two is it. And he loves dogs, but it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It is. Yeah. We at, at a certain point, we used to have four cats and that was uh, when our, we mentioned about the house, our house burning down. Yes. And at that point in time, we had four cats. We they all got we got them all out. But oh, thank goodness, we had two all blacks, two black and white cats. And of course, the power went out. It's a wildfire is approaching. You can see the fire on the other side of the canyon, heading our way. And trying to find all black cats by flashlight. I mean, the black and whites were tough enough. And I was down to one cat who thought this was a game and we're racing around the dining room table until this voice came out of me that I had never heard before or since, but it was like this giant, no. And, and oh she just God. rose and I clutched her and threw her in the carriage. I mean, it's just like, and since then, I just don't think I could cross that line to that many cats again, because just, the fear, can we get them out? And we're living someplace that is very wildfire safe now. But even so, that's a part of my mindset is to never for animals that I could get out in five minutes if I have to, you know, kind of thing. I can't even imagine. I mean, I mean, talk about trauma. Yeah, it really did impact the way we live, the way we look at life. And there's a lot of things I don't even probably know that it's affecting, but it, but I know that keeping, we actually, you know, adopted, we had one cat pass away and a few months later we adopted a, a kitten. And so we're at three and it's like, I'm, I'm saying, no, we can't get more because yeah. Right. <laughs> but I know we can get them out, you know, kind of thing. For me, my big thought, other than of course, my, my husband and my daughter and my dogs, is photos. I, I'm obsessed with photos, especially because my mom died when I was in my 20s and, and my photos and letters from her and things like, were you able to get any of that? My father died when I was nine. I have no <gasps> photos of him anymore. My sister died when she was in her early 40s. She's my older sister and <gasps> I photographs of her either. I had some of my mom because um, she lived to be a ripe 
80 something. So yeah, but yeah, that was just like, but I do, I realized as that was one of the worst things. Well, I mean, really, Uh, but then I realized I can still see this because I used to, in in my office, I had all these photos of my dad and my sister and my mom and I had them all up and it's like, I can see the photos. I I may Mm -hmm. have been remember certain moments with my dad, but I can see the photo still in my mind's eye. So I've, I've come to terms with that. Um, but yeah, no, that was traumatic losing. And that's not one of the things you realize right away. It kind of hits you, but we had no time. I mean, it was like, grab a few clothes, put in an overnight bag, hope for the best that we'll be back and get the cats that and grab the earthquake money. Cause you, you know, yeah. earthquake money. <laughs> so, oh my yeah. gosh. I had a go bag of jewelry, most of which had been my mom's, but unfortunately an important piece was not in there that I'd been, I'd been wearing it and left it somewhere in the, in the bedroom, you know, so I did get some things like I have this locket that was my grandmother's, you know, right. Yeah. That's nice. But a lot of the stuff, yeah, it was like, you know, you just, you just don't know. You can't. Yeah, especially do you, we, you, we, I guess when we're thinking, oh, yeah, oh, we had like a, a barrel of earthquake supplies, but you don't take that when you go. You're, you're busy right. just get out. And I, I guess it had never occurred to me that we would have to evacuate in the middle of the night. I mean, it was like oh my gosh. 10 at night, 10, 11. It was, yeah, I mean, it's like, and there's no lights that just was so like, oh, you know, it's just like something you wow. just, yeah. How long ago was this? Uh, it was December of 2017, so it's been five oh years. My, oh, that's it. Do you yeah. look at possessions differently? Except I think the sentimental things, but you kind of go, you know what? I, I I can live more simply. Or is it is it the opposite where you're like, okay, I want my things. I want new things. From the standpoint of the insurance, it's like, you know, if you wanted them to pay you, you had to replace the item that was lost. Or they would repay you at like what its current value was. Like, so if you had a sofa that was five years old, well, that's only, you know, kind of, so you had to go replace the sofa. So we had to replace a lot of things that we probably wouldn't have replaced. But when it got down to like clothes and stuff and and books and possessions, it's like, okay, to give it a little snark, we moved into this house just um, a little over two years ago, like two years and a month. and we have neighbors who we went over to their house. They moved in six months after us. You walk into their house. People live there. All the built-in shelves, they're filled with stuff. There's furniture everywhere. You walk into our house and it's like, all right, yeah, there's a sofa. There's chairs. There's a few books. People live here. But it's, 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 not, it's really not clutter. It's not full. It's, it's, we really do. We are still using camp chairs at our dining room table. We, we got them uh, for like, we were at a rental. We needed something to sit outside of. We got them and we, we got a table that we loved, but we've just never, it was like, oh, these are good enough. <laughs> I had, oh my goodness. I had signed first editions of all of Sue Grafton's uh, books oh. up through, I think I stopped at P except for I didn't have A and C, but I had had all the other ones. I I, I actually went to a, a women's conference in Santa Barbara. I don't know how I convinced my boss that, that it was important to my job that I go to this thing. <laughs> I worked for the city of Redondo at the time, and I went up there because Grafton was one of the speakers, and I, uh, I brought a whole satchel full of my Sue, Sue Grafton first editions, and I think I scared her a little. I was so Excited to meet her, um, <laughs> and she very nicely signed them. It wasn't a book event. It's not like she was there. Oh my 
my gosh, that is so funny. Before I let you go today, I would like to know a little bit about when did you realize that you had a knack for writing? You know, I I always wrote, the first thing I remember writing, I probably wrote things before that, was I rewrote The End of Stuart Little. And the only reason I remember it, because my mother kept it for years. She was so proud. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like the way it ended. I wanted Stuart to end and have Margalo there with him. And I didn't like that they were separated. So I, I rewrote The End. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then in high school, I, I was an English major, but when I went to college, I, I had always been like to draw and paint. I switched to art and I kind of, you know, kind of, I, I wrote papers and it became more about not really fun. And then after college, every job I had, I ended up writing. I ended up doing a newsletter for a real estate company, a newsletter for their parent company. When I went into civil, civil service, I did a newsletter there. I, I just kind of, I, I was always writing, but I wasn't, it was just always fact-based. It wasn't fiction. And then um, I went to a uh, work, okayed my going to a an UCLA extension class on writing a newsletter because I knew ours was it just didn't look right to me. And I needed to learn about the design, what was wrong with ours. And I, we, we got a great looking newsletter out of it. But um, well, one of the days for the class, the instructor said, um, why don't you just write an essay today? Let's just do something not fact-based. Just have fun and write an essay on anything you want. And I had so much fun doing that. That was when I realized I do love writing. I'd forgotten how much I loved writing. I'd set it aside. It was just part of a job. Yeah. And I, yeah. And my husband for years had been telling me I should write a mystery because I'd always be like, you know, halfway through, go, oh, I know how this is going to end. Or we'd go watch. <laughs> and I guess I would make some sound when I'd figured it out. Go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I thought, well, yeah, maybe I should write a mystery. So I, I took a class. I started one and I was kind of, you know, didn't know what I was doing. And I, again, went back to UCLA Extension. They had a class on writing the mystery. And that other, if I hadn't taken that class and if the instructor hadn't then after the class ended, hooked me up with a wonderful writing group, I would probably still be rewriting the first six chapters of the first thing I ever wrote. I mean, I just kept polishing them. I didn't move forward. And I met this incredible writing group. Um, they had all been in her class the previous year and, um, yeah, went and met them and they accepted me into their group. And I, there's still three of us from that original group are still in the, that same group. We don't meet in person because we're all so far away geographically, but we, we're actually Zooming tomorrow. So. Oh, nice. You're really good. I read a lot. And granted, I read memoirs and nonfiction, but this novel is fantastic. Now, I'm going to get a deadly bone to pick. I'm going to read it. I'm going to have you back on. Will I be introduced to other dogs or does she have, does she also have Noodle and Harlow in that, in that book? She meets Noodle in that book. She oh. has Harlow. So yeah, okay. when she, yeah, the, her life changes drastically from when she moves to Pure Point to win book two. She was a one dog person. <laughs> <That's our laughs> journey. I'm sure the audience is wondering, because I am, do you think you'll ever get a dog? Because Peggy, reading the book, I'm like, how does this woman not have a dog? About it all the time, my husband and I, we think, is now the time we should get a dog? You know, we were like really worried about one of our, we have, she's called the senior cat. She's mm. considered pediatric and we just took her to the vets and all her tests came back so who knows because we were kind of worried <laughs> it's like we don't want 
have a sick cat and bring a new animal in. But we, we have been skirting around it, talking about it. I mean, when we moved to California, because we met in Massachusetts, our original plan was to get five dogs. We had names for them and everything. Oh, my gosh. What were the names? Do you remember any of them? Oh, I don't remember. I think one, the we're going to get Dalmatian. His name would be Syrah. <laughs> we had, I think, you know, we just had a lot of different names. And, um, but when we moved to LA, um, we were living in this duplex and we weren't allowed to have pets. And this tuxedo cat just kind of came up and introduced himself. And then he'd be there waiting for me every day when I came home. Aww. Yeah. And then one day he wasn't there and we're going, and we'd named him at this point. And we're going, Evie's <laughs> not here. Where's Evie Calvin? And so we're walking the street yelling for him and we find him. He's under a shrub. He can't, we, he can't move his hind legs. Oh, we no. Are. We take him to the emergency vets, and it turns out he had a urinary tract blockage, oh. and from eating all the cheap food that he's been he's been panhandling throughout the whole neighborhood, and we don't know who all he gets fed by. So at this point, we brought him home after spending so much money because he ripped out his catheter and they had to do it again. Oh God. <laughs> And when we brought him home, my husband looks at it and says, Abby, can you say house cat? And he became our first cat. <laughs> well, Peggy, I hope you get a dog someday because I, I'm sure cats are wonderful. But I just feel like there's something so special about dogs. And again, you just put it so well in the book. I, I, I'm ab- I was absolutely shocked when I found out just before the interview, everyone, that you know, I asked about, does your dog do? She's like, oh, I don't have a dog. I'm like, well, a, a past dog? No, no dogs. So yeah. here we are. What do you hope people take away from the book? Well, first, I, I hope they, they they enjoy the mystery. I hope they have fun. It is I, fun. The whole thing, it's an escape. You know, life yeah. is tough. There's a lot going on. It's nice if you can just sit back and escape. And I hope they come away feeling like they, they've gotten to know a little something about dogs and um, that they had a good time. I really, that's, I just really want to offer people a nice escape from daily life, you know, because it like, can be challenging at times. <laughs> that is for sure. Well, the book is fantastic. Playing Dead, a novel, Peggy Rothschild. So I'm going to have you back for A Deadly Bone to Pick. And in the meantime, tell us all the places we can find you in your fantastic books. It's available through Penguin Random House's website on Amazon. Um, if your local independent bookstore doesn't have it, I, I know it's in Barnes & Noble, but if it, your local independent store doesn't have it, I'm sure you can order it. It's available as an ebook, audiobook, um, hardback for playing for playing dead. The uh, deadly bone to pick is now also available in paperback. So it's oh, great. A wide variety. Yes, and if you can't find any of that, um, I'm sh- I should have links on my website. Not sure that I do, but I should, and that's PeggyRothschildAuthor.com. So <laughs> oh, good, and you can get your social media from there. Yes, yeah, because I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Not on Twitter so much these days. Uh, yeah, I've been cutting back my social media a lot, but that those are the only two that I'm on is Twitter and Instagram. Well, I just want to thank you so much, Peggy. I love the book and I can't wait to read the next one. And everybody keep coming back to Dog Eared. And while you're here, check out Health Power. They're on the same platform. And if you want to see me and my good boys, you can follow me on social media at TikTok, Twitter and Instagram at Lisa Davis MPH. Everyone keep coming back, rate, review and subscribe.